Come back in. And uh, if you're near the doors, maybe you want to shout people back in or if they don't want if they don't want to miss it. We, my name is Mark. I'm one of the leaders here at, uh, at Christ Central. It's good to have you here with us. We're looking forward to all that's going on this Christmas. We've got our uh, Kids Club Christmas. I'm excited about that. And uh, obviously next, uh, on Christmas Eve, we've got our Christmas Eve uh, meeting as well, uh, Christmas Eve celebration. That's going to be at Stu uh, Convention Center, Stu Conference Center, where we used to meet last year as a church. We are a church that you never quite know where you're going to find at the moment. Hopefully it won't be like that forever, um, but that's where we are for now. But uh, yep, Stu Convention Center on Christmas Eve. Please do come out for that if you're around in Fredericton. So um, we've been preaching a series, or I've been preaching a series called This Is Us, and uh, over this last term, uh, since September, we've been looking at who we are as a church, um, what our values are, and uh, we're coming to the end of that. We've got one more to go on the 30th of December. We're going to look at worship on the 30th of December, um, and in a sense, uh, the, one, the message I'm preaching today is really, it would fit in best as the last one. Um, but the 30th of December, I figured some people were going to be away and really wanted to get more people hearing this one. So we're going to switch it around a little. So uh, this, is, this might sound like it's the last one, um, but there's one more uh, to come on the 30th. And over the weeks that we've seen uh, all these different things, we've seen who we are as a church. We've seen that we're built on an apostolic and prophetic foundation. We've seen that we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we've seen that we're founded on the grace of God. We've seen uh, that we seek the kingdom of God in every area of our life. We're people who want to know God through his word and through prayer and not only relate individually with God, but also to each other as his church and as family, friends together. We've seen that we're a generous people because uh, we reflect the generosity of God and his spirit dwells within us and we show that generosity to the world. This is who we are. And in faith, this is who we're believing that God is making us to be. Um, but uh, the question has to be, what is our particular vision? What specifically is it that we are uh, aiming at, what we call to do? What is our particular, particular vision and how do we outwork that? And that's what I'm going to be looking at today. Because who we are inevitably affects what we do. Who we are inevitably affects what we do. Uh, we've already heard encouragement this morning from God through Trevor um, about how we are God's church. We're his called people, uh, called out people who he's working through. So that's what we're particularly looking at this morning. And I guess the good place to start is our mandate, which is the same mandate. It's the same commission that Jesus' disciples had. And we read about it, first of all, in Matthew 28 at the end of Matthew's gospel, Verse 16, it says, uh, Jesus came to the, uh, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Uh, when they saw him, they worshipped, some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything. I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
So our commission is the same as that of the disciples. It's to go and make disciples, uh, go and make more disciples, disciples of all nations. But as we read that, we might be left still thinking, well, what exactly does that mean? How are we supposed to do that? I mean, tell us some more, Jesus. Well, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus does say a little bit more. He comes again to his disciples. This is just before he's taken up to heaven. And in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. All right. So now we know a little bit more from this passage. We know a little bit more of how we're able to do this, how we're to go and make disciples all nations, and what the extent of our commission is. So first of all, we see Jesus' commission, going and making disciples, isn't something that we can do without the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is absolutely essential in this. Before the Spirit fell at Pentecost, Jesus' disciples, those who were following him, were weak and they were fearful and they were powerless. They were hidden away in a room, shut away from the world. The thought of going and making disciples of the world, the world that had just killed their follower, Jesus, their leader, Jesus, should I say, was, was unthinkable. How can we do that? They were running away themselves. But Jesus says it's okay because when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. You'll be equipped. And that's exactly what happened, isn't it? You read about it in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost the Holy Spirit falls, and suddenly these fearful, scared, timid people who are worried about their own lives suddenly become fearless. Suddenly they're preaching the gospel. People are trying to tell them to be quiet, and they're saying, we can't do anything else but preach the gospel. The Holy Spirit was coming and dwelling in them. And we can often feel weak and powerless too. And the answer to that isn't find some new innovative strategy, some new technique, some new uh, thing which is going to wow people that's never been done before. Actually, the answer is the same as it's always been. We need to receive the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. But where Jesus' disciples had to wait, wait until the Holy Spirit comes, we don't have to wait any longer. We don't have to wait any longer. In Scripture, after Pentecost, we, see, we don't ever see believers having to wait for the Spirit. In fact, actually, it's, it's maybe more the other way around. Sometimes the Spirit comes to the Gentiles, and the people who were preaching were like, oh, hang on, maybe, maybe they can receive Christ as Savior um, because the Spirit's already come on them. It's a little bit of a strange way around. But, but often the Holy Spirit can come as people receive Christ. But it doesn't have to come as we, as they receive Christ. Some people uh, would actually teach, oh, well, when you receive Christ, then you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then, then that's it, then that's all you need. You've got everything that you need. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who uh, preached uh, back in the last century at Westminster Chapel in England, he challenged that idea. And he said this, if your doctrine of the Holy Spirit doesn't include the idea of the Holy Spirit falling on people, you know, coming in a, in, a, in, in, a, in a supernatural, 
way, which is distinct from what you receive at, at conversion, it's distinct from when you give your life to Christ, if, if it doesn't include that, then your doctrine is seriously, grievously defective. And then he goes on to say, this, it seems to me, has been the trouble, especially during the present century, indeed almost for a hundred years. The whole notion of the Holy Spirit falling on people has been discountenanced, discouraged. Surely one of the prime explanations of the present state of the Christian church. And on other occasions, he preached similar things. And when people said to him, he would hear people say, well, we got it all at conversion. And he, he, he said something along the lines of, got it all? Got it all? Well, if you've got it all, where in heaven's name is it? He, he was like, come on, church. You can't say that this Christian life, which many people live out, which is still weak and powerless and fearful and timid, he says, that's not what it's about. We need the experience of the, and the constant filling of the Holy Spirit. And I have to say, you know, we teach on this a lot. This is one of the common things that we come back to time and time again. We need to receive the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit again and again and empowered with the Holy Spirit. We need to see people laying hands on other people to be filled, other believers to be filled with the Spirit. And uh, often it can be that there's not that great hunger for it. There's that kind of, oh, okay, yeah, sure, maybe. I'm actually okay. I'll take it or leave it. But this isn't a take it or leave it thing because we struggle with our walk with God. Life's hard as it is. I mean, that even with the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, life's not easy. But if we don't know the power of the Spirit in our lives, then we are, we are lacking so much that God freely gives us freely gives us. Jesus stood up, didn't he, at the feast in, um, in John's gospel, uh, John chapter 7, I think it was. And he said, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink and streams of living water will pour out from him. And it says he was speaking of the Spirit. And at that time, the Spirit hadn't even been poured out. But now the Spirit has been poured out. And that invitation is still open to us. If anyone's thirsty, this morning, if anyone's thirsty, if anyone's feeling, oh, I'm so dry, Oh, I'm feeling so discouraged. Well, come. Come, receive. We'll lay hands on you. We'll pray for you. Spirit, come and fill this beloved child, this beloved son or daughter of God, and streams of living water will fill us and flow from us. Come, come and fill, be filled. And then, only then, are we able to do all this other stuff. Then we can go and we can make disciples of all nations. It's about making disciples of all nations. It's more than evangelism. It's more than just conversion, a ticket to heaven. It's teaching people that they can find forgiveness and life in Jesus and then discovering the desire and power to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. We want people to repent and believe, be baptized and added to the church in a meaningful and life-changing way. And then they can live holy lives reflecting God to the world. So if we're just content with, oh, great, someone's made a decision, someone's prayed a prayer, that's not fulfilling the commission that Jesus has given us. We have to see more than that. We have to see people knitted into the church. We have to see people's lives changed. We have to see people then going and being witnesses and telling other people. And that's a key phrase. You will be my witnesses. We reveal 
Jesus to people. We witness to what Jesus does. So how do we do that? Well, by doing the same things that Jesus did. We saw it last time when we saw, looked at generosity. We said, we're generous, and that reflects what God is like. It shows people Jesus. We're a witness to Jesus. But it's the same with other things, too. We uh, pray for people to be healed because Jesus went around healing people. We pray for people to be delivered from bondage because that's what Jesus did. He cast out demons. He delivered people from things that were binding them. We come alongside those who are on the margins of society because Jesus was known as a friend of sinners, a friend of people who no one else wanted to know. All of these things is being a witness to Jesus. And, and, and where does it go? Who are those people? Who are the people that we're witnesses to? Well, the extent, it starts local, but it goes global. It starts local and it goes global. It goes to all the world, all nations. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If Jesus were here today, he might say, you'll be my witnesses in Fredericton, Atlantic Canada, the USA, and the ends of the earth. It's going to local, to translocal, Samaria, a group of people weren't overly well liked. That's why I said the States. It's a little <laughs> cheeky. No, we've got some friends here from the States today. <laughs> we love them. <laughs> and to the ends of the earth. Do you know what? That must have been an enormously mind-blowing thing for people to hear in Jesus' day. Because most of those people would, would have maybe been quite localized. I mean, some would have traveled, but, but it's like, what? We've got to go to the ends of the earth, everywhere that's known in the world, and everywhere that will be known. It's a huge thing. It might be a huge thing for us. Maybe you've lived in Fredericton all your life. Maybe you've never really moved out of New Brunswick. But maybe God's got a call on you, which is to the ends of the earth. Maybe God's going to do something in and through you, which is going to impact nations. That's what God does. That's what God did with these people. We believe in the local church. We committed to building the local church, the church here in Fredericton. But the local church has got global horizons. It looks to all nations. And we need to lift our eyes up. And Jesus says, lift up your eyes. Look at the fields. The fields are white for harvest. The laborers are few. But so pray to the Lord of the harvest for workers to go out into the harvest fields. That's what we're looking for. We're looking, we're lifting our eyes and we're saying, wow, there's so much more than we first saw. There's so much more than we first thought about. And God, send workers out. And as we pray that prayer, actually God may be saying, okay, I'm sending you. I'm sending you out. God's mandate to us, God's commission to us goes way beyond the end of our street. But it does include our street. It includes our street and it goes way beyond. It's a huge vision. So that's what we're called to. That's what we're called to. So how do we work it out? What strategies as Christ Central Church do we use to work this out? What models do we use? Well, the Bible doesn't just give one model. The Bible gives quite a few different models. There's room for variety. So we see the church in Jerusalem, um, the early church in Jerusalem. 
they gathered and they built a very large church. Uh, there were thousands of people in it, but they also met in people's homes. He said they gathered together in people's homes and they broke bread and, um, and, uh, and prayed and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So it was one large church, but yet there was many gatherings in people's homes. I don't suppose they got 3,000 people who got saved on the day of Pentecost all in one room together. Um, but uh, So smaller groups. But then in Acts 8, persecution comes. Persecution comes uh, to that place, and it says, On that day, in verse 1 of Acts 8, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen, mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So you can imagine in the, when they first heard, oh, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. The disciples think, oh, I wonder how we're going to get there. I wonder what we're going to do to get to Samaria. Well, actually, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be having Saul coming and dragging you out of your houses and putting you in prison, and you're going to flee, and then you're going to preach the gospel in those places. That's how God did it. That's how God did it in those days. Now, that may be a model that we want to pray God uses us in. It may not. <laughs> we may choose a different model. Uh, we say, oh, I'm glad there are some other models in Scripture, Mark. Well, there are. <laughs> but we, who knows? Who knows what will happen? I guess the people then didn't think that we're going to be persecuted in that way. Or maybe, they, or maybe they did. In Acts 19, in Ephesus, we see a different model. And we see Paul here, and he is lecturing. And it says in Acts 19 and verse 9, it says, Paul, le he, went, he had been to the synagogue and uh, been there for a few months, and some people didn't believe him uh, and started criticizing him and maligning him, it says. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. So here's a different model. Paul is renting out a teaching place, a big lecture theater, and people are coming in. He's lecturing daily for two years, and people are obviously hearing about this. Oh, you want to hear this guy, Paul? This is where he's going to be. And they would come in, and they would hear him teach. And that went on for two years, to the extent where everyone who lived in the province of Asia heard the word being preached. So it went around. So it wasn't so much going out to people. It was them coming in and them hearing. And it was kind of like a, a teaching center, a central teaching base. And then the people would go home and the, and the gospel would ripple out. And that was how that was used. So um, the guy I've just mentioned earlier, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he operated on that kind of model in Westminster Chapel. He regularly preached and taught, and he, went, he, he took years to go through like the book of Romans. He'd preach verse by verse, and people would come in. Now, he was in central London. Not a lot of people lived in central London, but people came from miles around. And I know the pastor who was the pastor of our church back in England, he used to go every Friday evening, and he would listen to Martin Lloyd-Jones. And what Martin Lloyd-Jones taught him impacted us because that was passed on and that was communicated. So a huge effect 
that can be had by a teaching center. And uh, that model still continues today. Someone who is very powerful and anointed in preaching and teaching um, may be heard by many people. It might be that they, there's different campuses and the internet now allows uh, them to be preaching by video in multiple different sites. Or it might be, obviously, lots of people tune in to people uh, on the internet. So that's one model. It's not a model that we have subscribed to. Um, God hasn't brought us anyone with such a powerful teaching gift. Um, but, but it's a legitimate model. It's a legitimate model for seeing the church built and strengthened. In Acts 13, we see a different model again. And this is in Antioch. In Antioch, Acts 13. And we'll read the first three verses. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. When they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they'd fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And then they went off uh, all around um, the Mediterranean world. So the city of Antioch. Antioch was a very diverse city, very multiracial city, many different belief systems, and the church there was a multi-ethnic church. Its makeup pretty much reflected the city, um, and it was multi-ethnic in its leadership as well. So in that leadership, there were Jews. Barnabas is a Levite, one of the tribes, um, and he's also from the Greek island of Cyprus, we find out in Acts 4. Simeon, called Niger, uh, that literally means Simon the Black. He would have been from Africa. Uh, Lucius of Cyrene, he had a Greek background. Menaean had been brought up with Herod, it says, so he's got connections with nobility. And, uh, and Saul, he's Jewish and he's got a Roman citizenship as well. He's got 15 years at this point of teaching and uh, church planting experience. So we see in this one church, there's people with strong teaching gifts, prophetic gifts, apostolic gifts, and very mixed, very uh, diverse. And that church in Antioch became a sending base. That was the base where people would go out from. Paul and Barnabas went out, then they would return back, and then at different times, they would take different people with them. John Mark would go with them. Luke would go with them and travel. Other people would go and travel as well. Silas would go out sometimes. Sometimes things wouldn't always go to plan. Barnabas and Saul have a disagreement. But they're each taking different people. They're going different ways. As reconciliation comes later on, Paul's taking John Mark again. Um, but it's a sending base. But they would come back and be strengthened. And this actually is a model that we really have embraced as a church ourselves. So this is, of all the different models, this is be the closest model that we are aligning ourselves to. And in fact, we've had some prophetic words encouraging us in the early days that this would be an Antioch church. Christ Central would be an Antioch church. So you might have thought, oh, well, I don't know what that means. Well, this is what it means. It means it's a diverse church, and it's a church where... We're going to be equipping people and sending people and there's going to be uh, apostolic gifts and there's going to be prophetic gifts and there's going to be teaching. And over the years, we've seen that coming more and more into being. Um, so 
I don't know if you've noticed, even I've noticed over the last few years, how diverse as a church we are becoming in our makeup. Now, the city is becoming more uh, multi-ethnic, different groups of people, different nationalities coming in. It's exciting because actually we can reach the nations by staying in Fredericton and impacting people. It's been wonderful to have Syrians who have been coming along to our kids' club and we've been giving them Bibles and encouraging them and they've been coming to kids' club and, and worshipping Jesus. But we've got people coming in, but the church is becoming uh, more like that as well. So I was thinking about it. We have got people, and this is, this is what came to mind. There may be more, so you can shout out if there is. Um, we've got people with us from all over Canada, from Germany, the Netherlands, France, Mexico, South Africa, several, England, several, Wales, Ireland, Guernsey, Honduras, the Congo, Burundi, Nigeria, Vietnam, Jamaica. Have I missed any? I said Mexico. I've got a few from Mexico. Mexico. <laughs> but that's pretty incredible. Because we're not a huge church, but there's a lot of people from different nationalities in there. That's not a coincidence. That's what God is doing. In fact, God, God gave us a, a word, actually. I'm, I was the one who brought it. I'm sure there's been others as well. Back in Devon Middle School, there was all the flags above uh, the stage, if you remember, if you were there. And I just felt one day God was saying, lift up your eyes and see what I'm doing among you. Lift up your eyes to the flags of the nations, and I'm doing that among you. And God's increasingly being doing that amongst us. And that's, and that's intentional. That's deliberate. What God's doing something among us in that. And he's going to be doing that, and it's going to spill out into the world. We believe God's called us to be an equipping church. So we want to invest in people. We want to train people. We want to resource people. Um, we recognize that actually some people may not be staying with us for all of that long. Some people come for university. They're only here for a few years. Some people might come and get a job here, but then they might move somewhere else. And <coughs> it may be that if that's you, you think, oh, do you know what, I that's okay. I'll just come along. I'll just, I'll just sit in a seat. I'll, I'll not get too involved because I don't really know where I'm going to be in a few years' time. Let me say to you, none of us know where we're going to be in a few years' time. Seriously, if we're following Jesus, none of us know where we're going to be in a few years' time. But get involved because we're wanting to invest in you and we're wanting to equip you. And we're wanting to say, Do you know what, wherever you go, we want you to be carrying something that you've received from here, that you've received something from God here. And it may well be that you're going in and being involved in a church plant somewhere, or it may be you end up being in leadership in somewhere else. So it may be any number of other things happen, maybe not even through the church, but what you've received will be worked out somewhere else. So again, looking back over the last few years, not many years, we've had people who've come and they've gone out to other places. Here is where some people who have been with us have now gone. And many are in leadership in these places. People are, are now in Ottawa, Halifax, or Mokto. They could probably still make it here. Um, Ed Edmonton, Moncton, St. John, Miramichi, Halifax, Kamloops, uh, Saskatchewan, Vancouver, PEI, 
London, Ontario, Kitchener, Ontario, other parts of Ontario, Toronto, Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, um, Calgary, Quebec, Goose Bay, Maine, San Diego, the UK, a number of places, South America, um, various places, Perth, Australia, Nigeria, Malawi, Germany, Malaysia, Cambodia, Southeast Asia, all of those places. People were here, and they've received something, we hope, and they've gone. And who knows what impact that is going to have. This is the sort of church God is making us to be. So sometimes we can think, oh, well, where have people gone? We had people here, and now they've gone. Well, it's good to know that this is who God's making us. Because sometimes, I mean, obviously, if people disappear and they're not in a good way, and then that's not good. But sometimes people can go. We've planted people into different places or we've encouraged people, yeah, go and help a church over here or whatever. That's what we're wanting to do. We've got leaders with teaching gifts, prophetic gifts, and apostolic gifts. So Joe and Gary regularly travel uh, to churches, other churches, to encourage and strengthen them. This morning, they're in Charlottetown um, and the church that we planted there. So please do be praying for them. But often they take people with them so I think one of the last times they went, they took uh, Byron and Gina Crisp with them, Trevor Parker, Rebecca Jackshaw, Chelsea Burke, I think Will Martin, he's certainly been invited, I'm not sure if he went. Uh, they'll also take other people at times to other things. There was a church planting summit went on the other, uh, the other day in Moncton, I think Rebecca Jackshaw went, Andy Bolzer went. So people are going and they're getting tucked in or experience of other places as well getting training. Because our vision is to plant many churches. Our vision, which came through a prayer meeting that we had, is to plant churches in the 12 university towns and cities in Atlantic Canada. And that vision came, I said, as we prayed. So currently we've got churches in Charlottetown, PEI, and Wolfville, Nova Scotia, church that we're working with. And there's a group in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and a group in St. John's, Newfoundland. And we're believing God that there will be groups or churches in all of those, these other places as well. So Moncton, Sackville, St. John, Sydney, Nova Scotia, Truro, Antigonish, and Church Point. That's what we're believing for. That's what we're looking for God to do. Now, how is that going to happen? What's our strategy? What, well, actually, how those things are going to come about and even what those churches will look like will look different depending on the context, just as we've seen in the New Testament. There's different contexts, different models of church. And so, actually, we planted into Charlottetown. We, the, the church in Wolfville is a church that we've adopted, uh, that came out of another church, and we've come alongside them. There's, there's a different way that we might be working in Newfoundland as well. So it will be different in different places. It will suit our context. How we build in Halifax, which is a large city, might look very different to how we build in Church Point, Nova Scotia. Very few people living at Church Point. So we build in ways which suit our context. We don't feel we have to do it in a certain way every time. But obviously we want to learn from people. And we're increasingly developing partnership with an organization called C2C, or known, now known as Multiply. And they are giving us training and help and support and they've got real experience in the whole area of church planting, we want to get alongside them and work with them so that we can learn 
from them. And then they have also said they've got things that they would love to learn from us as well. But we're very free to be who we are in God. We're very free to say, okay, God, how are you shaping us? What are you doing in us? In the early church, we saw we see that all these churches are part of one movement, and they all came back to Jerusalem, um, or the leaders came back to Jerusalem to thrash things out in Acts 15. Paul and Barnabas went back to Jerusalem to just work things out. And we too are part of a wider family of churches, um, and we work things out together, and we're in relationship with each other. So we're part of the Christ Central group of churches, and that's headed up by Jeremy Simpkins, so we've hopefully got some pictures here. This should remind you if you've seen these people before, or you will see them again very soon if you stick around. Jeremy Simpkins and Anne, um, his wife Anne, and Jeremy heads up the Christ Central group of churches. That in turn is part of a wider family of churches called New Frontiers. Um, and so we receive input and strengthening from Jeremy and Anne, and they come every year to us in the spring, been coming for years, and they're coming again. They were with us uh, last year, and they'll be with us for an, an extended period, a, a slightly longer period, um, this coming spring. Uh, we've got Terry Virgo with us in May. Terry Virgo um, was actually the, the person who founded the New Frontiers family of churches, and they're in many different uh, na nations all over the world, but he was started that off in the 70s. He's been with us before. He'll be with us in May, and we'll have a weekend with him. Please make sure you're there. It's over the um, it's over the Mother's Day weekend, but uh, we'll be meeting on Friday and, uh, sorry, on Saturday and Sunday and Sunday evening that, um, that weekend. Um, we've had input from Don and Stephanie Smith over the years. Don and Stephanie, very involved with us uh, in the early days of the church, and Stephanie sadly passed away last year. Um, but we're excited that Don's going to be coming back, and he's going to be with us again next June as well. Uh, he'll be with us for the church weekend that we're going to be doing. Um, Dave and Rosie Fellingham have often been with us. I think they were here with us for a couple of years ago, and I'm sure they'll be with us again. They've, they've been involved in the church over a long period of time, right from the start uh, of the church. Ginny Bergen from Sheffield, um, which is my uh, church that I came from originally, but she was coming before I was coming uh, to Fredericton, and she was here again a few months ago, Real prophetic gifts. She was helping us, inputting it to us, training some of the leaders, uh, meeting with some of the young leaders. Dave Devonish uh, has been over as well. Dave Devonish uh, came to our conference in uh, 2016, and uh, and he spoke to us on uh, various different things and and really seeing the kingdom of God going out. Um, again, part of that family. We've got a guy called uh, Lee Yabra. We're increasingly developing relationship with Lee Yabra. He's in Mexico uh, at the moment. He heads up a number of churches in Mexico. He will be with us next June as well. Next spring is going to be a busy time for lots of people coming over. But these are all people. They're not just randoms. Well, <laughs> they're, not <laughs> they're not just randoms who we think, oh, well, let's get someone in. Let's fill a slot in the preaching schedule. There's a, there's a relationship that we're developing with all of these people. Oh, we've had with these people for many, many years. So it's bigger than just Fredericton, these connections. But of course, there's all these connections. Let's take Lee down and just put the, uh, the, the logo back up. <laughs> Getting intimidated by this big guy behind me. Um, of course, there's other churches in the city as well. So how do we view other churches in the city? 
As we've seen over the weeks, there's, there's many different brands or expressions of church life. And so how we handle that might, you know, how do we handle that when we might be working in a different way to them? I think it's important that we say there's no competition between us and any other church in the city. We're not saying that we're better than anyone else. We're not looking to entice people from other churches who are already connected in there. So we are for other churches. We will pray for other churches. We will meet the leaders of other churches. We'll encourage good relationships between other churches. Let's decide never to speak critically of other churches. There may be some very clear things that God has said to us which are not the way that other churches will do things. Well, that's fine because they're before God living out their calling the way that they feel God is calling them and we must do the same with ourselves. So we mustn't, we mustn't feel we need to compromise in any way what we're doing to, to be in good relationship uh, with them. We don't have to water things down just to keep people happy because our, pr- our focus isn't really primarily the church scene. Our focus is the thousands of people in the city and beyond who are without hope and without God. So we don't just have to do things that other churches are doing. But where we can cooperate with other churches, we want to do that. So the other year, we had a a joint alpha campaign. Uh, We called it a global alpha campaign. And all the churches, many of the churches in Fredericton, came together. We, We pooled our resources. We bought advertising for buses and for movie theaters and for the TV and the radio, which no one church could probably do ourselves. We all ran alphas at the same time. We all ran our individual alphas, but we worked together to get the word out there about alpha. That was something that we were glad to do. In fact, we were very much one of the leading churches in pulling people together for that. So we're four other churches in the city. Okay, very briefly, what's our method? What is it that God has given us to do? Well, I've already mentioned some of those things that we've seen over the last few weeks, um, but let's highlight one or two things. We're a church that's th- where we see the priesthood of all believers. So it's not just the pastors who do the stuff. Everyone is involved in encouraging and strengthening each other and serving in the church and the community. And we believe God's called us to be a city-wide church So a church that's not just associated with any one part of the city. So we're not just involved in Marysville, or we're not just involved uh, in this area where we meet now, or we're not just involved in Devon where we've got things going on. So it's important that we bear that in mind, especially as we're looking to maybe purchase a building in the Devon area. We're not a Devon-focused church. We're a church that's focused on the city and beyond the city. So we'd we're believing that that building will be a great resource, should we get it, be a great resource for a lot of the work that we're doing in Devon. Many of the Kids Club kids come from the Devon area, but we don't just limit our vision to Devon. It's beyond that. It's for the city. Um, so we're not just focusing in on a building. And uh, because of the vision, I guess, that, that God's given us to equip and to send and, and to all be involved together, my, uh, our guess is that as we grow as a church, we're not just going to grow to be a congregation of 300, 400, 500, all meeting together. We'll probably have smaller congregations or even church plant within the city. That's probably mo- that there's no decisions that have been made on that, but that's 
more likely because that's who God's given us to be. Because he wants all, we want all of the people to be very much involved and, and to be trained and to resource and have church planting in our DNA. So hey, we can, get, we can do something here within the city and then maybe we'll go and we'll do the same things elsewhere. So those are some of the things that may happen in the future. So we don't want the fact that we've got a building. Let's imagine, I don't think it will be that we can fit 500 in a building, the building we're looking at. But if we could, that doesn't determine how we are as a church. Buildings don't determine how we are. God determines how we are. God speaks to us and we use buildings and other things as resources that he gives us. And that must always be that way around. We don't just say, oh, we're just going to expand to 500 seats in this building. We've just got to fill 400 seats in here. Actually, what's God wanting to do in and through us? And it will be in our hearts and it will be in making disciples and sending people. We'll be sending more people. What programs or ministries will we run as a church? Well, we want to work in areas where there's faith that, people, uh, that God gives to people in the church. So as leaders, elders, we don't come up with strategies and then look for people to fulfill them. So we look to see what God's doing in individual people. What is it that, that people have got? What gifts and passions do they have? And then faith rises, and then our strategy comes from that. So God opens things up through what we have. So years ago, Kelly Curtis and her dad began street level, and it was a passion that God put in them. And as a church, we got behind it, and it began to shape us as a church and what we focused on. Still running, it's still shaping us because there's still people with passion and faith and gifting who want to leave that, lead that. And it may well be, and we've got to realize sometimes we can't do everything. So people have come to us recently and said, Oh, why don't we use our building to house homeless people? Well, because that's not what God's doing in us, that's not what God's calling us to. And that's great. And we'll get behind other and we'll pray for other people and other churches who might want to do that. Benevolence ministry. Um, there's many with need, but we've realized that we haven't got the resource and the people to serve in that area right now. So we, we don't have to feel guilty about that. We can say, hey, this is what we do. We can play our part. Other things have come about because of people's passion and gifts. Kids Club started up over a year ago, and partly that was through my experience, but other people in the church have had similar experiences, and God gathered a group of people and gave faith, and so that's what we began with. We're involved with International Justice, uh, International Justice Mission um, because God put that passion in Rick and Bronwyn Mooney's hearts. And so we get behind that, and we're involved in that. We had Tough Talk over a few years ago. Well, why, who were they? The bodybuilding evangelists. Well, that was something that Robin and Andy Lemon had a passion for and came to us about, and we saw them come, and we saw God use those things. And we, and we believe in things will continue to open up and grow. So if we meet, if we get this Topmar building, as we were praying last the other week, things were happening. People were praying about things that God had put on their hearts, about homework clubs, about um, teaching cookery courses, um, things like that. It's not going to be the leaders coming and saying, we should run a cookery course. Who can do it? We should run a homework club. Who can do it? It's going to come from the church. It's going to come from you. What's God stirring in your heart? Our strategy follows what we see God doing in and through us. We work where God gives us favor. 
and we move in that way. And that might confuse some people. It might look, well, you've, you've not got any plans. You've not got a strategy. What's your five-year strategy? What's your 10-year plan? Our plan is to make disciples and to equip the body and to see faith rise and to see people moving out and leading teams themselves and doing different things. And who knows what we'll be involved in. But whatever we're involved in, it will be about making disciples. So currently, the focus might not be on the part of the city you're living in. Well, don't, don't get disheartened about that. Get behind what we are doing. Serve in those ways. But pray that God does other things as well. Pray for ministries that are not even your passion yet. Come to the Kids Club thing this, this evening. Be praying that God touches people's hearts who are here while you're here. Maybe say hi to some parents or families. Who knows what God is going to do in you? I had no passion to do kids' work, to work with children at all. I was joking with Dave Labour earlier. I said, oh, half the time I don't even like kids. <laughs> I was encouraged, seeing as I'm going to be hosting it with Gemma. <laughs> and God, I had no passion for that. And with my work, years ago, I went to a conference where they were talking about elementary kids' work, which was the kids' club model that we do. And God did something in my heart. I had no desire to do that at all. That was how the church knew it was God. <laughs> Seriously. I went, I went to the leader of the church, and I told him about it, and he said, ah, I'm convinced that is God. I said, why are you so convinced? He said, you don't like kids. <laughs> he said, you would never want to do that. He said, you, ne you have no passion for evangelism, he said. What's going on? God's changed you. God changes us. God does things in us. Who knows what God's going to do through you? We want to reach all types of people. People need the gospel from all sorts of backgrounds. We want to be a church which is reaching people of all economic backgrounds, all nationalities, all age groups. Um, small groups have a vital part to play. They're the heart of the church. And those groups will be different as well, depending on who's in them and what's going on. And actually, those groups can instigate certain things too. So the Hickses group just ran Alpha. We didn't come to them and say to them, why don't you run Alpha? They came and said, we've got a passion to run Alpha. Great, go and run Alpha. We will get behind you as a church. We'll resource you. They also decided to run the Retro Boogie Dance Party. So there's some good decisions, some bad decisions. But anyway, we'll get behind them all. No, that was a great event. It was a really good event. They also ran that, and, and we went with it. Um, Gemma had the vision of uh, a kids' club Christmas and took the Santa parade. Again, that's why we're doing it. Emma Bicknell had the idea uh, with Hazel for the um, Women of the Word, and, uh, and for the Scrabble and Karaoke was Emma's idea <laughs> as well. We, that wasn't something we sat down and strategized, you know. <laughs> Let's run a Scrabble and Karaoke evening. But God uses them all. And the basis for all that we do has to be prayer. We've got to keep asking God to enlarge our borders. We've got to keep calling on God to inspire and send us to different places and be, in, be willing to go ourselves because we want to see the nations reached. So concentrate just on Fredericton is just as bad as concentrating just on the Devon part of Fredericton. Our vision is to equip God's people, train them, see them mature, and go to distant lands. And, you know, talking to people, God's already put different lands on people's hearts. God's put, I know pe people have got a heart for Mexico, the Bahamas, Oman in the Middle East, Cuba, other places as well. Who knows what God's going to do? But we need to realize 
this. If God's put a passion in your heart for another nation, get involved in the local church because you're unlikely to do elsewhere what you're not doing here. Learn to serve God here as a training ground for elsewhere. It's not just the training ground, it's real. But it also train you for elsewhere. The church in Antioch can motivate us in this. That was where they first got the nickname Little Christs. That's where Christian came from. They first were called Christians. Little Christ. They got that nickname because they were showing Jesus, reflecting Jesus, being like Jesus where they were. And then God sent them out. They were Little Christs. So, our vision is a vibrant expression of New, Christian, New Testament Christianity. Adding people into us as a church, knitted in, involved, seeing people changed, discipled, equipped, sent out. What can stop us? We've got the scripture. We've got the spirit of God. We've got God's favor with us. What else do we want? We want to go forward in faith together believing that God will do and fulfill what he's calling us to. He will do it. It may not be in the way that we imagine. It may not be in a straight path, but God will do it. It wasn't a straight path in Scripture. It won't be a straight path with us. But trust him. Give yourself to him. Give yourself to the church. We can't overplan things. God will just redirect. But we don't need to fear when things go a different way. We don't need to be discouraged. God hasn't left us. He's still with us. We keep coming. We keep worshiping him. We keep on loving each other. Keep serving in the church. Keep bringing the kingdom of God into every area of life. Keep showing people God's lavish grace and generosity. Keep praying and seeking him. Asking him to fulfill his plans and his purposes. And you know what? He will. He will. I believe he will. God's got much for us in the future. God's got much forward for us as we go forward into 2019. He wants to involve you. He wants to involve us all together. Why don't we stand together? We're going to just close. I'm going to pray. Maybe the band want to come back up as well. We're just going to worship with one more song.